Hi, everyone. I'm Kyle Bechet, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum, where experts provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. On today's podcast, I'll be discussing with Gordon Gray, the Director of Fiscal Policy here at American Action Forum, the debate over funding the government and the likelihood of a government shutdown. Gordon, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So the last time we talked and had you on the podcast, we talked about the three things Congress must do by the end of the year. Perhaps the most important of those was funding the government to avoid a shutdown. What is the current status of that particular must-do item? Right. The, the current status is not dissimilar from when we last talked about this, which is it's still up in the air. Congress is going to bumble their way through this one, it looks like, and it's not clear to me that we're going to avoid a shutdown. Sounds like some great news on the horizon. Um, before we get too far into discussing, you know, the particulars yeah. of what the debate and what we're looking at, sure. um, can you just walk us through what happens during a government shutdown? Absolutely. So there's a law that governs uh, how a shutdown works. It's called the Anti-Deficiency Act. Essentially, it says that the federal government can't spend more than Congress has given it. So when you have a shutdown, Congress essentially has given the agencies a $0 allowance, essentially. So when that happens, the agencies can't spend money. They also are barred from accepting the voluntary service or any voluntary services. So that essentially means, okay, they don't have any money. They can't pay their employees. You can't accept work if you can't pay your employees. So uh, you have um, hundreds of thousands of uh, workers that are furloughed. You have disruption in federal services. You have some real, I think, economic risks, right? Like if the federal government of the world's most important economy in the world can't get its act together, that undermines, I think, confidence in the economy at large. And so we've seen estimates that the cost of a shutdown runs into the billions. It's not huge. It's certainly not like some other uh, bad economic policies either currently in place or being debated uh, by Democrats running for president. There's a lot of bad ideas out there. This is a bad idea to shut down the government, but um, it's not horribly costly, but it certainly is a cost that we should avoid. Right. Yeah. It's always interesting when uh, shutdowns on the horizon. I noticed in our my Google Analytics report that uh, the your prim, uh, primer on the Anti-Deficiency right. Act is always in the top 10. And, and People it's, love that stuff. It's, yeah. always that, it's always that yellow <laughs> flag that, oh, no, it's on the horizon. Right. Um, but anyways, so with this current uh, debate and uh, over the funding priorities, what are the main uh, funding disagreements that could lead us to a shutdown? Principally, it's the wall again. The the president's border wall, I was actually struck by this, is it sort of infects a number of appropriations bills because of sources of funding for this. So there's the obvious, which is the Department of Homeland Security funding bill. Um, that, that's one obvious. But, of course, the president has also drawn money from the DOD. Then there is a separate appropriations bill called MILCON where some other money comes from. More broadly, there's, there's the perception that even though – I mean let's recall the two-year budget deal that we recently enacted basically upped the spending on these agencies by $320 billion. So these agencies are getting a big budget boost. 
The problem is, though, that there's the perception that any money spent on this wall is essentially shortchanging other priorities. So Labor H, that's an appropriations bill that funds um, Department of um, Health and Human Services, Department of Labor, includes a lot of domestic uh, spending priorities, particularly among uh, Democrats. There's the view that any money going to the wall could presumably have come from the labor age bill. And so there's a broader concern that kind of affects the overall appropriations process as well. So right now, the Senate is debating a package of appropriations bills that aren't directly affected by uh, funding for the wall, but it's unclear that they're going to be able to get that over the finish line and possibly mitigate if they go into a, a uh, government shutdown, it could be partial if they get these done. It's not clear that they're going to. Yeah, it's because it's still the indirect concerns are there. Yeah. Um, all right. So the wall funding where we're, you mentioned, like, we're back here. We had this conversation a year ago. Um, it ended with Trump's emergency declaration about the wall. Why are we back at the same place? Why didn't that end the end the debate? What is old is new again. They never fully resolved the disagreement over the, the wall funding. The president wants to continue funding the wall. Certainly congressional Democrats are opposed, even though we essentially showered $320 billion over the next two years on these agencies. There is a, I think, widely shared view, particularly among uh Hill Democrats, that any dollar spent on this wall is essentially illegitimate and shortchanging other priorities. That's obviously up for debate. They're going to debate that on on the Hill. Um, but that dynamic is definitely animating the funding outlook. And they never they never fully resolved it. Yes, the president invoked the Emergencies Act, and that kind of got him over the last uh, the last major impasse. But that's being um, that's that's being hung up in the courts. The legitimacy of, in fact, I think a, a recent federal court found that that um, emergency declaration was invalid. So um, that little uh, sleight of hand may not be available to the president. That's how he essentially capitulated last time around and kind of convinced himself that he didn't lose. He did lose. And if they have another fight over the wall, someone's going to lose. And that's why I think that there's a a risk of a shutdown is that you essentially eventually have to have this fight out and someone's going to lose. Mm -hmm. Especially in an election year when exactly. presumably the president is going to use this as a central part of his re-election bid. Right. And speculating on what the president is ultimately going to do in an election year is everybody's favorite parlor game in D.C. It's just not a terribly fruitful one. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so you already mentioned that the last shutdown a year, less than a year ago was the longest on record. Right. You know, great for the history books, I suppose. Um, although it was only a partial government Correct. shutdown. Um, so as of today, are we looking at particularly another partial shutdown? Or do you think this is going to be a whole closure of the government? Is it going to be long, short? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so there's a number of scenarios that right now I don't have, and I don't think the players know. They don't really know what the sort of equilibrium is right now. The current CR runs out November 21st. That's around the holidays. There's already talk about kicking that into December. It was just with a short-term CR that just forestalls the overall fight. The Senate is going to debate a package of appropriations bills on the floor. These are ones that aren't necessarily caught up in, in wall funding. But the outlook on those aren't 
isn't particularly clear. These are these are bills for the most part where they're the agencies are getting a big top up in their their budget numbers because of the two-year budget deal, $320 billion over two years. So these are programs that are getting well-resourced, but the outlook on these funding bills is unclear because of the other peripheral issues, the wall, just what is... What are essentially Hill Democrats willing to to allow over the finish line? What is the comfort level with Republicans on on uh, how to debate these bills? So there's a scenario where sh- they pass full year appropriations bills for certain agencies, and that gets a partial shutdown. I think one thing that was important, at least in terms of the sustainability, if you will, of the length of a shutdown, at least from the White House's perspective last time around, is they had funded the DOD, right? You don't, ha- you don't have uh, essentially soldiers in harm's way not being paid. Um, less of a national security risk. Less of a national security risk, less of a of a political liability, presumably for, the, for whoever is viewed as being the instigator of the shutdown. Right now, you don't have that. You could have other agencies that are funded and... Um, those workers wouldn't be furloughed, et cetera. But certainly DOD is the most visible. Um, that DOD is tied up in, in wall funding. So unless and until that gets dealt with, you're not funding the DOD, or at least the Congress won't. Um, so one scenario is, yeah, they, they pass some, some full-year funding for some agencies. Another is they just keep kicking this thing down the, down the road with CRs. I mean – we haven't even talked about the likelihood of impeachment and the degree to which, will, as a practical matter, we are going to be talking about sure. that a little bit. Uh, as a practical matter, the degree to which that can complicate this scenario, they could just pragmatism could could reign, and they could just say, "Okay, we're going to have this fight with impeachment. We know we have this fight with the wall. We can't walk and chew gum at the same time because we're Congress. Let's just punt the CR well over that into February or March. That's another discussion that's possible." And then there's, uh, to heck with it, we'll just shut it all down again. For clarification purposes, um, you've mentioned the CR a couple of times. What do you mean by the CR? Sure. CR is a continuing resolution. Essentially what that does is it is a law, but it essentially says, okay, whatever we spent last year, we're just going to keep spending that. So it's usually just kind of a, uh, for for a piece of legislation that funds the entire executive branch, it's usually pretty, sh- just like a paragraph sometimes that essentially says, uh, yeah, that thing we did last year, keep doing that in legislative text, essentially. Um, it just, that's why people talk about them in terms of, you know, kind of kicking the can. It doesn't make an, any fundamental policy decisions other than just saying, yeah, keep the lights on, keep doing what you're doing. So it's a challenge for agencies that actually need legal authority to do new things or to do different things. They need appropriators to say, okay, now spend money on this, now spend money on that, stop spending money on this. So it's a real problem for the agencies to have to continue operating under CRs. This is a good example of Congress really not doing their job. So this might be a redundant question now, but uh, how would you avoid a government shutdown here if you were one of the players involved? So uh, I think Senator Leahy reflecting on um, the impasse on just uh, basically spending levels across the agency says, look, we'll figure this out. We always do. I'd like to think that 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 spirit um, will, will will prevail, which is 
there there has historically been physical um, security funding for the DHS. And, you know, it's not at what the president wants, but there's a historical level, which is presumably palatable and acceptable to Democrats. It doesn't have to reflect an increase. There's always going to be physical security needs for for the for any border. And so you can fund those at, at an acceptable level below what the president wants for this wall that he evidently thinks is important. Reach that deal, fund the rest of the government move on. Goodness knows they're not going to do anything meaningful next year during an election. Just get this right and go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be that would certainly be nice, I suppose. Uh, um, so we've already briefly mentioned this, but we all know that impeachment is out there. And unfortunately, any responsible policymaker has to deal with this as part of the conversation. Does it make it more or less likely that we're going to have a government shutdown? And how does it play into this whole conversation in general? Yeah. So, again, it's it it just is a reflection of what what spirit does the Senate want to embrace? Are they just going to say, all right, we're we're going to the mattresses and, you know, shut it down. We won't do a CR. We're just going to fight and, you know, just have that have that out. Or, for example, they could say, look, if these articles of impeachment come over in December. So, I mean, it takes just as a practical matter. And I was just looking into this. You know, it takes weeks, months to actually handle the an impeachment trial in the Senate. The chief justice is presiding. It's a different institution. You know, the Senate will go into secret session, which only has happened, uh, you know, only a handful of times um, this century. Well, it's actually never happened this. No, that's not true. Anyway, it's only mm -hmm. happened a handful of times right. this century. Um, it's when they go into, into a closed session, for example, like things are different. Like it's not just, oh, yeah, well, we'll handle this impeachment thing on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, let's let's yeah. mark up an appropriations bill. It's like it takes up the members time. It's all consuming in a way that I don't think, um, you know, I, unless, I wasn't around for the really for the the, the Clinton impeachment trial. Um, I'm only just sort of reading uh, historical accounts as to just how all consuming this can be. My sense is, if pragmatism prevails, they will recognize that it's just that December is not well. Any time when they're when the Senate may or may not be debating articles impeachment is not the time to also be like, oh, here fund the government too. Probably not a good idea. So my hope is that uh, unless and until they've dealt with the the big issue that's uh, holding up wall um, holding up spending, which is the wall, then they'll just punt and say, all right, deal with that. Then we'll deal with funding the government. That would be the hope. So this next question is hard because, as you mentioned, uh, they don't really know the end game. Right. But I'm going to ask you to play uh, to bring out your crystal ball here. Terrific. And uh, how? Uh, what is the most likely outcome here? I expect a CR that gets him into the winter, and then I expect a shutdown. So another Christmas shutdown is what you're. No, I, I would imagine a, you know a February March. A February March one. So I, a little bit a, a little bit extra time, but yeah. I, now. Maybe it's more useful to sort of walk through the assumptions I'm making along the way because that sort of identifies the steps. Sure. All right, so we've got a CR that runs that runs through November 21st. They're already talking about a CR into December. Let's assume that the House arrives or delivers articles impeachment to the Senate sometime before Christmas. 
Senate's got to take those up. Like I said, my sense is that folks would probably just say, all right, we lived with a, a short-term CR to get us to December. Let's get this into into the fall. I've heard some, some talk about that. I'd like to think that they could compartmentalize some of their differences and at least say, all right, keep the government open through Christmas, for goodness sake. I have no idea what the Senate would do on, an, on impeachment. Let us assume that the the outcome reflects what I'm reading now, which is essentially a handful of Republicans might might bite, but let's assume no one does. So they they close up shop whenever they do. Trump is still president, still wants a wall. Post impeachment Trump is probably not a philosopher king. <laughs> He's probably gonna want his wall. Democrats don't want to give it, probably aching for a fight. All of these things, right. to me, combine for another shutdown, and then eventually he'll he'll have to cave. I think we should, you know, can't end this conversation without looking past this government shutdown. Um, it seems like these shutdowns are becoming more and more common. Right, right. Is this budgeting and funding gridlock just the new normal? I think so, and. I think some of the recent developments in this space have actually been worthwhile. So it is we don't actually, despite, I think, um, some nostalgia among budget people, we don't have a grand tradition of doing all 12 appropriations bills on time all the time. It's never been um, a entirely reliable system for sort of stable, predictable funding for the agencies. Um, recent developments that sort of acknowledge that and go to two-year budget agreements as a process matter, I think that's actually been a good thing. The outcomes have been scattershot. Certainly, we've seen large increases in spending. But again, that was relative to spending levels that were uh, essentially cut because of the Budget Control Act. So I actually think it's been a positive development. The Budget Control Act essentially expires in two years. I think a lot of members are just kind of done with living with kind of this allowance um, system. Um, so whether or not the the his, kind of the the tradition of doing two year deals post VCA holds is unclear. They may just get even worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you just mentioned the twelve approach bills. Just for clarification sure. purposes, can you again just let us know what what you mean by that? Yeah. So. Just in general, the way the federal government is funded, so we obviously have all of our federal agencies, so Department of Agriculture and Department of Commerce, Department of Defense, all the big agencies. But the way Congress funds them is with a different system. You have the appropriations committees, one in the Senate, one in the House, and below those committees are subcommittees. Those subcommittees are essentially divvied up among not the agencies, but different combinations of agencies and functions. Those subcommittees create a, the 12, and there are 12, the create 12 appropriations bills that then fund, when they're all put together, that fund the federal agencies. So in theory, the way this is supposed to work is that the subcommittees debate the, the funding levels for whatever agencies are, are in their jurisdiction. They send that 
subcommittee appropriations bill up to the full committee. The full committee debates it. It then goes to the floor of the respective chamber, so House and Senate. You're supposed to have open debate and amendments, and then it goes to the president. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so usually what we get are packages of these appropriations bills. So a big one, an omnibus, or a small one, minibus. Sometimes you have cromnibus, which is a continuing resolution with other full-year appropriations bills mixed in. So it's usually a combination of several funding uh, instruments for, for the federal agencies. Mm-hmm. And I won't make you list what all 12 well, appropriations bills are. So is there anything Congress can do differently to avoid these kind of showdowns? Again, I know I'm asking you to, yeah. you know. <laughs> so what, what has animated the shutdowns recently? It's been this wall, frankly. There have been a couple poison pill policy riders that bubble up, but among them, the the members, they eventually just get over that, essentially. They deal with it. They get to yes, eventually. Right now, the wild card has been the president of the United States. Make of that what you will. Fair enough. Um, before we let you go, I we generally like to ask about something fun and you know less. Uh, Where's my martini? Less less policy oriented. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, one of the things that I know you are very interested in, and I always enjoy talking to you about in the office, is you know your different recipes and your different cooking yes. habits. What is something that you've made that you recently that you're Ooh, proud of? And- good, good question. So first, obviously, is martinis. <laughs> I've been on a martini kick. One question for for our listeners: Can you buy olive juice? Because I don't like olives, but I like dirty martinis. So, it, I'd like to find a more efficient way of rather than buying jars full of olives, only using the juice. But anyway, I digress. The second thing is: Last night it was raining, it was pouring, and it was a perfect night for making uh, Texas chili or chili con carne or Texas red. No beans, big chunks of meat. I make my own uh, chili. Uh, chili uh, powder. Mm-hmm. So I get the whole chilies, yeah. toast them, and mix up a blend uh, myself. Do you use uh, a pestle and mortar, mortar for that? I did use my mortar and pestle. Um, I even, I toasted the cumin seeds. I did the whole bit. Um, and, yeah, I've got a big old vat of that um, that I'll be working through uh, over the next several days. I'll be inter- waiting for you to bring it into the office for us all to try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Kyle. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode, where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic issues. Don't forget to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. I'd also encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes, and also follow us on social media to learn more about AAF.